Captain Slog, Stardate 24. Uh, you join myself, Edson Eddie Edwards, and my colleague, Mr. Edson Mark O'Neill, uh, here in 10 Forward as we're going to go through the week's events on board the Enterprise. And, well, boy, Mark, what a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all happening. Um, yeah. I think I knew that this was going to be a good week when <laughs> the report started off uh, with Riker waking uh, Picard up from sleeping off his personal relaxation light. Um, also, uh, Picard, only a single bed. What's that about? He's he's married to the ship. Yeah, and I think it. I think it really. It it it, it really. It really came. You know, it really hit me when uh, they called uh, Starfleet base, and three admirals answered. <laughs> because this is going to be next level mentalness. <laughs> Because, as we all know, the uh, the test for Starfleet Admiralty is the Kobayashi Maru of how fucking mental can you be? This is this is this is this the events of, of this week. The records that we've seen raise. I've I've never looked at my notes, Mark, and seen so many question marks. <laughs> <laughs> From from okay, okay, but okay, Mark. This is this is important. Okay, if you were told by someone, a trusted friend, to not trust anyone, right? How quickly would you immediately tell what had happened to the only person in your close circle of friends who had recently left the ship <laughs> <laughs> and who came back, <laughs> frankly, acting a bit strange? What competent? Yeah. Um. I. This was. This was a mess, but I couldn't. I couldn't get enough of it, to be honest. No. Yeah. This is. This was. This was fantastically entertaining, but not. Not in a way anybody would have hoped for. I feel. No. Uh, so. Uh, Let's... I mean, I'm just going to start with the first question I've got on here, which is, um, we, we were supposed to be going to the ocean world of Pacifica, which is a tropical paradise everyone's looking forward to, relaxing a lot, which seemed a bit much, bear in mind that we had shore leave last week. Uh... <laughs> I, but, uh, but, but obviously this, the, last week's shore leave didn't happen, and uh, it does beg the question, is this crew ever going to get any shore leave? <laughs> but I, I well, first of all, I, uh, I, re- I really like the, 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 the right. So, so Picard, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's woken up from uh, his drug-induced stupor. Yeah, with a code forty-seven. Yeah, which a code, a code forty-seven is a message for captain's eyes only. Um, yep, and. He answers the phone to uh, the, the captain of the Horatio, who he has a, a previous previous relationship with, uh, who yeah, asks uh, him, Walker, that's his name, um, and uh, he is a, he asks Picard to, to meet him on uh, Ditalix B, 
and I looked it up. Uh, Ditalics uh, B is the font planet. It's it's where the Ditalics Mining Company work, which is another question mark in my notes. <laughs> Why are there private companies? Uh, I don't. What? I don't. I don't understand. Well, do you remember when? Um, I, I guess it's it's the it's it's like the the, the terraformers, isn't it? Um, oh, it's just they they've got a passion oh, you, for mining. Yeah. You, I, well, well, that and you do you need stuff. No, I get that you need stuff, but I don't get why it's a mining company in this socialist utopia where money doesn't exist. Um, I mean... Or is it like the BBC? Are they just using, <laughs> like, corporation or company as, like, a, like, is it publicly owned? Like, everybody's paying a dilithium licence. Uh, <laughs> and, like, they, they come around, knock on your door and be like, you haven't paid your dilithium licence. It's like, I haven't got a warp core. And they're like, well, we can see... I yeah. can see one through the window. It's like, oh no, that's just uh, that's uh, just for gaming. Uh, yeah, that one that one doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the old um, the old TV license advert? Uh, if, if, if for anyone, by the way, who's listening to this, uh, who 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 doesn't live in in the in the UK, um, TV license is a, a strange misnomer. Um, it's a tax. It's a it's a tax. It's a TV tax. It's it's a tax that we basically pay, um, ostensibly to upkeep the infrastructure of our like terrestrial broadcasting. Right? It's it's a bit like um, ABC. You know how like PBS uh, is 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 funded by people calling up in the telephones and things. But ABC, for example, is is funded by advertising. Well, the British Broadcasting Corporation is funded through uh, this tax, the the TV license, um, yes. and the way that it works. It sounds. I have a lot of thoughts on the TV license <laughs> that I'm not willing to get into because the problem it's, is, it's one it's of these complicated. It's complicated. Because, because on the one hand, I perfectly agree with the fact that a portion of my money should go to making. David Attenborough documentaries. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to watch David Attenborough documentaries, completely agree with that. But on the other hand, the BBC News Wing is troublingly transphobic and right wing, and um, there's a lot of people on the um, right wing who don't think it's right wing, um, and they think that my opinion on that is stupid and wrong. But my opinion is based on actual studies that have been done um, <laughs> on like how many right and left wing people they got like for example during the financial collapse um in 2008 somebody noted that of all of the bbc news's um guests and interviewees about that situation only one wasn't someone who worked for a bank right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's like it's great to have a public service broadcaster but yeah. it's this weird tax and they tell you they've got vans that can detect it but oh, also... so sorry. Somebody, I should add. Um, <laughs> it, 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 the, the reason that um, it's it's called a license is that if you if you own so every if you watch or consume anything that the BBC makes, it's reasonably expected that you pay this TV tax, which is fine. The problem is they haven't really upgraded that to the twentieth century, because yeah. if you have access to a television, you can reasonably be assumed to have access to BBC services, right? So, in a way, it, I I get that. But sorry, but yeah, what, what, what are you saying? Just in case you were like, why the fuck are any of you paying this? Um, 
it, 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 they are technically in the right. It's just how much you agree with them. And they claim that they've got like the ability to detect whether or not you're watching the BBC. But equally, uh, beloved national broadcaster Johnny Vaughan used to work for the TV detecting licensing people. And he says it's just two blokes in a van with a list of names of people who haven't paid. And, <laughs> and, they, don't have any, and they don't have any right to enter your house. So they turn, I've had them before turn up at my door. And they knocked on my door, and I opened it, and they were like, oh, well, we're from the TV licensing people, we noticed that you hadn't paid, and I was like, no, no, I haven't got a TV, <laughs> right? While I said this, the TV was on behind me playing Doctor Who. <laughs> they were like, oh, I could see that, I go, oh, there's a monitor for a PC, and they go, it's playing Doctor Who, and I go, oh, yeah, a pirate in that. Uh, yes. So yeah. So I assume that everybody is got a who's got a warp core is playing. He's <laughs> playing a Dilithium license. Do you think they have? Do you think they send two guys round in shuttles <laughs> to 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 like to like just sit in the same system as the Enterprise and just be like, when that hits warp, we go after them. You've got to have some fucking balls to be <laughs> if they if they approach you. In yeah. deep space, <laughs> you got some fucking balls to be like. Now we ain't got a warp core, and it's like you're you're seventy light years from the nearest habitable planet. It's like, yeah, we uh, Q, yeah, <laughs> data, data, figure it. What are you gonna say? You don't even know how he works. I, I've got a question about how data works. That's important because it was brought up on this episode. Can data swim? Is data too heavy to swim? Can data swim, or does he walk along the? Has this been established in... Because they bring up, have you ever been for a midnight swim? And I'm like, doesn't Data weigh, like, two tons? Does he? Something like that. But equally, wouldn't he... Couldn't he just, like... Maybe there's a little thing in his feet that open and, like, sprays out little jets. Yeah. Because <laughs> from what I understand, again, like TV license, heavy metal isn't... It's not a, it's not a description of its mass or its weight. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe D is heavy. Um, Maybe he's hollow though. Like because is, isn't he silicon based? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's got metal components in him. I feel like he's a big beefy boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So other 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 question about a member of the crew. I've got does Wolf bathe? Uh, was another question brought up. <laughs> Do cling on sweat is an important question. Well, uh, uh, right, so um, I would say, uh, based on my knowledge of anatomy, which is extensive, um, <laughs> Klingons have eyebrows, therefore they must sweat. Because eyebrows, yeah. yes, are used for expression, but that is a secondary evolutionary um, advantage of them. The only reason we have eyebrows is so that sweat doesn't drip into our eyes. So the yep. fact that Klingons have eyebrows proves that they do. Now, on saying that, Vulcans also have eyebrows and they're weird because they, they like <laughs> they point up the way, don't they? So all of this sweat is all going to be focused on one on one little part of of the of the brow because the eyebrow is it, it is designed in such a way to Vulcans to have green it. blood, so maybe they sweat something that's a different substance and therefore reacts differently. Like maybe it runs like what? Maybe the fluid dynamics of Vulcan sweat are different enough that the eyebrows that they have are perfectly designed for the same purpose. 
Or maybe they had them because of sweat, and then when they got rid of emotions, they stopped sweating. And then they just could use them to be more and more, and then they just evolved to be more expressive. Or the, which again is ironic, bearing in mind they have no emotions. The the, the <laughs> yeah the, no they evolved the eyebrows to be more efficient. <laughs> I think that's what it was. They were they, 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 they that's the first thing when Vulcans because what we know about the Vulcans um, is um, and and I, I I don't know again if this is ever actually canonized, but the uh, the Vulcans and the Romulans have a common ancestor, and the yes. Vulcans. The, the, the reason that they split is basically that the Vulcans decided to pursue logic, the Romulans decided to continue pursuing emotion, uh, to, to varying de- degrees of success of, of evolution. Um, but the, the Vulcans decided, no, we're we are a horrible, bloodthirsty race. Uh, <laughs> we have to put that aside. We have to, de- we have to, we have to go straight for logic. Um, and that's how we have to be. At what point after that decision, how long do you think it took before someone was like, eyebrows, we have to sort the eyebrows? What, what On the on docket, what number was it? <laughs> the Romulans have similarly weird eyebrows, though. Yeah, but that's so that it makes them look <laughs> angrier all the time. Oh, I thought it to might just be that they got Klingons. I thought because they devoted a lot of their society to being sneaky bastards. Maybe they came back. <laughs> one of them came back one day and go, "Have you seen the the the, the Vulcans have changed their eyebrows? We're gonna to have to change ours, otherwise we're not gonna be able to pretend to be Vulcans, which is a significant part of most of our subterfuge." <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Should we? Should we? I'm just going to say something. We haven't actually said what happened this week, so we should probably no. address it. It turns out Starfleet's been um, infiltrated by little stop motion insects. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all. The admirals are evil. That's that's. I that's so just before we quickly uh, go into any more of it, the this the stop motion insects uh, mm-hmm. are they the same ones from Wrath of Khan? They are not the same ones from Wrath of Khan. Right. Because uh, I checked that. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I looked on the database and no, those are not full on. So the ones from Wrath of Khan allow, make you more suggestible so other people can like make you do stuff. These ones are in like full control. Yeah. Um, they are a superior form of life according to, admittedly, them. <laughs> <laughs> and they... Uh, a superior form of life, by the way, who at one point say to um, Worf, do Klingons fear death the same way as humans do? So a superior form of life that have done literally no basic research of the area of space they are attempting to dominate. Because, like, literally, if you look up Klingons, I'm going to bet number one would be, don't fear death. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, if you look up on Space Wikipedia, Spacepedia, yeah. Uh, like look up Klingons. It's just like number one, don't fuck with the Klingons. <laughs> it's it, it it was literally that was the prime directive for yeah. for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I think it was uh, Jonathan Archer <laughs> that that sorted that one out. So they were like, oh man, should, should we uh, should we should we put something in about non-interference? That's slightly less important than not fucking with the Klingons, though, isn't it? <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Starship directives, by the way, is is one of the Starfleet directives don't let data finish a thought. 
<laughs> Data, Data's ability to like waffle on and then get shut down politely by uh, like uh, that's enough data from Picard and stuff is taken to new levels. Taken to new levels this week when he got a fucking he got put back in his place by the ship's computer, <laughs> <laughs> whose entire purpose is to relay information. Yeah, because Data, Data spoke out loud to himself for the first time this week. He was going through all of the. Um, uh, all of the orders that Starfleet had sent out in the last six months, which included a parrot, Mark. <laughs> Why was there just an image of a parrot in there? What well, was that? It was like, right. go get this parrot, we need it. <laughs> I, I actually know why they sent the image of the parrot. Um, right. It was because uh, the previous week's report, uh, <laughs> someone sent a message to Starfleet Command saying, the title, We'll Always Have Paris, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So can we instead call it We'll Always Have Parrots, which is a, a Red Dwarf <laughs> reference. Um, and then Starfleet got back to them and said, we don't, sorry, we don't understand the reference. Uh, the person then sent that report back with um, not only a, a, the entire backstory of, of the sitcom Red Dwarf, but the story uh, leading up to that point in the series, then an explanation of the parrots joke, then a drawing of a parrot, just in case it was found by a Starfleet officer who was from a race or a planet where they do not have parrots. Um, Which is, if, in fairness, most of them. I'm fairly sure it was you that done it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Got a lot of time on your hands over there. Uh, it's not a lot to do down in engineering. <laughs> so just, My job's mainly to just stand by the door and tell people that we haven't got a warp core <laughs> <laughs> and when they say <laughs> but I can see it there and you reply no that's a microwave that's a lava lamp <laughs> yes. I know right. it's really really big but you don't know how much the captain likes his personal relaxation like. <laughs> Obvious, obviously that isn't a warp core if it was there would be much more stringent safety systems around it <laughs> Rather than a, a waist high railing, <laughs> <laughs> but didn't a bit of any, but didn't a guy die there? Yeah, but that was Mister Singh. That was unrelated to the actual warp core. Don't worry um, about it. One one interesting thing uh, I was going to say about talking about. Uh, <laughs> um, I've, I've lost my train of thought. What I was going to say is talking about um, like how things look on board the Enterprise. I've never been more clear in this episode that bits of the like bridge are made of wood. And like the chairs are made of leather rather than yeah. like a science fiction. Like whoever like was in charge of getting these records on did a great job there. Um, unfortunately, you, we, later on um, in this week, Riker has a fight with one of the admirals who's been controlled by the thing. And unfortunately, the only footage we had of that came from Geordie's visor, um, which is why <laughs> um, both Riker and the admiral clearly look like they're stud doubles <laughs> um, I, I actually I'm, I'm going to give a counterpoint to that <laughs> I, I took a note here that says the, this report looks great in some respects <laughs> um, I think the cinematography in the reports hasn't been good no I'm with you on to that to say the least and not even just Look, for cinematography snobs, television by its very nature has to look different from movies, right? Because of how it's consumed. 
Um, because in a movie, you're sitting there in the dark, you are able to completely immerse yourself in the world. With television, especially pre-2010s, it's generally expected that at least some people will be watching it while doing something else. So television cinematography is it's a lot flatter, it's a lot more basic, um, it's just a lot easier to follow along with. But it can still have a lot of style. Uh, Buffy, for example, I think has a very unique cinematogra- cinematographic style. Um, yeah. And it, and it looks that... unique from, say, things like uh, the X-Files or the OC, which yeah. just one is kind of more sci-fi fantasy, the other one is more teenager. You can see on the spectrum the way that the cinematography in Buffy um, highlights its its themes and stuff. Yeah. The season one, it doesn't have that. It doesn't. But on saying that, when we go to uh, Ditalix B, the font planet, yeah, the thing of only using red light looks, in my opinion, great. I'm I'm with you on that. I've also got I've got very specifically in my notes that we get Picard gets on the uh, gets on the um, transporter pad. And the camera does one of those zoom-ins, like as it does to build tension, which is a very Star Trek move. Yeah. In fact, it's used in what will be the most dramatic moment that happens in all of our uh, reviewing of this stuff. Uh, and I will point it the fuck out when we come to it in about four years. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's like the most famous moment in the next year. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And to your point, like I recently found out that um, so um, on f- uh, the Flash TV show, they have a rule that the camera can never be still; it always has to be moving. Yeah, because Kevin Smith talks because about it's, this. Cause it's the Flash. And um, equally, they have um, a great one on uh, Arrow, which is whenever they're doing like an establishing shot, like two people are entering a room and you want to establish two people in there, the shot has to be from basically like shoot, shooting in through the windows. To, oh, that's clever! Like, yeah, and it's because that's the gimmick of the two, the two guys. <laughs> I've never noticed that, but that that's yeah. genuine. That's style. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, and, I like that, and I like stuff like that. But yeah, this is. I mean, let's not talk about how massively off a cliff Arrow and Flash have went in their later <laughs> seasons. I, I stopped watching them. I. I stopped watching Arrow by season four, and the only reason I know that is because I um, I watched the John Constantine show, and oh, yeah. look, if you want to get into an argument with me in the comments of this about how to pronounce John Constantine's name, I have fucking receipts. I will come at you. The man himself says that it's pronounced that way. Just to... Because I imagine a lot of the arguments we're going to get on this episode are... Sorry, what are they doing? Have they had a Facebook message where they've been like, we really need to lean more into the concept of us being two guys in 10 forward. Is that why they're trying to like not talk about it as an episode or a season? <laughs> this is going to be quite a controversial episode, much like the episode itself. But I imagine that by the, mid of season, by the middle of season two, we'll have fucking sorted this out, right? I, <laughs> we, we, will, we, will, we will have developed a style. Whether it's one way, whether it's the other way, we don't know. I Yeah. We'll we'll get there. It'll look and sound different, but um, no, throw enough shit at the wall, you'll get kicked out of Ted Forward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, because John Constantine is in an episode of season four, and I had to 
uh, and that's how I know I'd stopped watching Arrow by that point because I downloaded it because I really I didn't I didn't I accepted that the Constantine TV show exists, um, and I watched every episode, and I thought the the guy that played it done really well despite playing a scouser with a Welsh accent, and. Uh, he's the, he then shows up in Arrow, and I watched that episode of Arrow and didn't have a fucking clue about what was going on. Yeah. If anyway, you want, that, was, that was a rant If you want more Constantine, he becomes a regular on Legends of Tomorrow after season two, and it's a lot of fun. Not uh, interested. Nah, maybe, but, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Um, um, so, I... I the Also, one of the captains is played by Chunk from the Goonies. Not Chunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sloth. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know you mean. Uh, I was like, "That's that like He's done a lot of Mad Max stuff. He's a he's a great actor, but a fairly weird looking guy. Yeah, uh, and as such, he gets cast as weird looking guy in a lot of stuff. And uh, he he has a really interesting big career because he only either plays sloth from the Goonies as as that as a as like a brainless monster, or he plays the most intelligent guy in the room. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that people are like, oh, uh, did you? Uh, 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 it's sloth. Uh, <laughs> and, he's, uh, and he's chatting physics. Uh, he's a captain. <laughs> Starship yeah. captain. I mean, he's a, he's an alien, but get what you get what you give. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I want to mention as well how impressed I am with uh, Commander Riker's high kicks when he's fighting the oh. admiral. Uh, like apparently, like we don't know this. Like I thought Riker's fucking hobbies were um, like playing the saxophone and womanising but what I didn't realise was he fucking apparently does fucking kung fu on the down low and I don't think it ever comes up again it's like it reminds me of like the first episode of Supernatural where the uh, the Winchester brothers have a fight that's got a lot of like high kicks and stuff and then there was like a discussion backstage about how that's not how they would fight and then they never did it again yeah <laughs> yeah like, that's be, not, be... that'd be a lot more special forces they're uh, Amarine's kids. Yeah. So that's they, what they're they, gonna use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I always liked um in, I'm I'm a big fan of Supernatural, uh the canonical seasons. And I always liked how in the like seasons it's kinda it's kinda seasons one to three, while they're still setting up like the actual mythology of their own monsters, the Winchesters in their so if you if you don't know Supernatural, it's about two brothers who hunt monsters. That's basically it, right? Yeah. But the but the monsters there always tends to be some sort of like twist on the legend or on the lore. Um, the like, genies is a particular one where they grant your wishes, but it's actually you're in a coma, slowly being eaten, murdered. But the 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 wish keeps you happy, yeah. so you don't fight the fight them off. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but they had to. They obviously wrote in these boy. These boys travel the country in a car full of weapons, but they had to put in like they had to fill it with weapons because they would already know how to kill a lot of monsters. So when they open the weapons chest in the trunk, there's like a crucifix and a wooden stake. But later on down the line, we discover oh, vampires can't be killed by wooden stakes. So the writers of Supernatural then had to write in other monsters that were vulnerable to wooden stakes to justify <laughs> all the fans who were like, "What the fuck are these wooden stakes for?" Um, if you ever, if you want something really, really good online, somebody's written a, um, a comic book, which is, I think, it's the entire first 
four seasons of Supernatural told from the perspective of the car, and it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> My mother uh, puts me onto that. I've, I've never read it, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, as like I say, this is, this is a... This episode ends with like there's basically there's a, fr- a bunch of mad admirals and they've been secretly moving people around <laughs> in Starfleet. Yeah, always admirals. It's always fucking admirals. Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Madmirals. <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that the first time. It's good. You were right to go back to it. It deserved a laugh. <laughs> um, right. Like, I was really hoping. Mark in this episode, like in these in this in this week, we were going to get some play on the idea that oh maybe um, Picard can't trust his own crew. Yeah. Um, like like so again, I, I want to say this again. When I say he immediately tells Troy, I I don't mean like that's the next like 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 there's a beat like he checks out, make sure she's okay. No, no, I mean he beams up. I we don't even see him beam up. The conversation ends. He's in his ready room. He's already halfway through telling Troy. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, should, oh, sorry. I, I feel like we need to cover something there, uh, just in case anyone is, again, listening to this and not watching the episodes along with us. Um, so the, the, there's a secret meeting of four captains where they discuss about how there is likely a conspiracy inside Starfleet, but they can't really figure out what it is. The reason that Picard got that message, the Code 47... Um, is yeah. because they, they don't want anyone else to know. So Picard then beams down to speak to Walker, who he knows from his early life. Um, and he does a bunch of the, I'm going to say, data, details from our past, but get key bits wrong and see if you play along yeah. or if you correct me. Which you is know, really clever. Standard body-snatching procedure. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, he, he uh, obviously knows Beverly because at the end of the meeting he says... Tell Beverly I said hello at this secret meeting that we didn't have. <laughs> yeah, and Picard, to his credit, doesn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> he understands how a fucking secret meeting should be. Although, <laughs> like you say, he does immediately tell Troy. So is their counsellor... Uh, what's the what's the word? Is it um, uh, attorney-client privilege? Is their counsellor-client privilege in Starfleet? Did, did, did they cut, cut out the one example of Troy being genuinely psychic. <laughs> like, he arrived back, walked in, and Troy immediately followed him in and went, sat down and went, there's a conspiracy at the heart of Starfleet. <laughs> and he's no. like, oh, right, Troy no. knows. <laughs> Here's what happened. She walks in, she sits down next to him, and she says, a lot of people are hiding something. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, they say that the, like the Enterprise, like for all of the like this last year, has been out on the outer rims of the galaxy. So they don't like they don't think anybody on board's been like swapped out with a uh, a, a body. So that's why they let the Enterprise in. But I've got to say, he doesn't just like tell Troy, I, okay? Because then immediately he's like, right, data. I need you to go through every like order from Starfleet because you can see if there's any weird patterns that don't look right. And that's I and that is the one where I go fair play. Because data cannot have been replaced, because he's literally unique. Like you can't, like, like you can't. If you're a changeling yeah. or a shapeshifter, you can't. Then, like, it would last right up until the point somebody asked you to do very complicated maths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you that. But then, yeah. But then immediately tells Riker, and by like twenty minutes into the episode, Picard has told the entire bridge crew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
even even Worf, uh, who <laughs> Tasha Yar um, put forward that maybe we can't trust as much as we think. And then, of course, Tasha Yar gets bumped off a few weeks later. And, and Worf gets her job. Exactly the sort of thing you would do if you were in a conspiracy. An inside job, my friend. <laughs> Tasha Yar's death was an inside job. Um, I love how quickly the admirals reveal the conspiracy to Picard as well because <laughs> he turns up and um, there's some there's some hilarious what they call banter um, which might be the most boring conversation I've ever heard but <laughs> they then sit him down and they give him uh, a bowl of food and he opens it and it's full of bugs yeah but there is a problem with that which is that I don't know enough about the culture of the future <laughs> to know if that's unusual the thing is it probably isn't it probably isn't you probably oh sorry that's for so and so he's from Bouvlevar or whatever well, <laughs> that's what they eat there's that but also um, the the west's aversion to eating bugs is yeah. uh, unique among the human race it's actually not that strange for people to eat bugs I've eaten bugs. Um, I've I've actually I've eaten mealworms, which is what those things are. They're literally called mealworms. <laughs> they might as well be called eat us. Uh, followed up by some dessert ants. Oh, sorry, that's desert <laughs> ants. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> um, I had uh, crickets. Crickets taste exactly like peanuts. And okay. in the and with an ever growing population, it's entirely likely that we are going to have to start turning to insects for our protein. Um, and uh, basically, there's some people in the future who are going to watch Snowpiercer get to the point where Chris Evans discovers that all of the poor people in the world uh, on the train have been eating protein bars that have been made up of the crushed remains of insects. And they'll be like, I don't really understand what the issue is there. Why is he disgusted <laughs> by that? Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm I'm uh, I'm not going to side with the upper classes in any situation, nope. least of all a snowpiercer one. But what yeah. did he think they were eating? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, You're on a train. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it, it, especially when we find out that before they had literally been they were so starving that they'd been eating their own children and the next according to uh Tory voters and the the upper classes um, the next level up from poor human children is insects. So, oh, don't be silly, Mark. You, you can't be seriously suggesting that the the Conservative Party, who recently have been, whose leader and Prime Minister of this country has been has received thirty separate fines for having parties during COVID, don't care about the poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me, fucking pricks. Um, well, there's another gender non-conforming crew member in this this week. Is it? Um, yeah, wearing a miniskirt behind Riker and uh, and Picard while they were having a chat in the middle of the. Uh, uh, it was when they were talking to Quinn. They invited him on board and did the old body. I'm going to share the, what we can call the body snatcher test. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what the body snatcher test is, it's obvious. It's what you would do if you thought something might be a body snatcher. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I would feel. <laughs> yeah, out of social awkwardness, I would play along with what they'd said. Well, yeah, and there's also there's also that, and there's also the fact that my um, 
my my memory doesn't work great at the details. Um, right. It, it tends to work better on just, I guess, ideas and things like that. Like, if, if you were to say to me, do you remember the time when we first met at, at the Backyard Comedy Club? I'd be like, uh, that could be the case. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, if you want to check if I'm a body searcher, don't ask me details about our personal interactions because I won't know. But just casually drop in, be like, wasn't it cool when Maria Hill turned up at the end of the credits in Iron Man? Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> then yeah, I will exactly. be pathologically incapable of not correcting you. <laughs> yeah. Big time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I of you a, with the vampire, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't even make sense in the context. Uh, anyway, because uh, there's, <laughs> there's fucking there's loads in there. Uh, um, here's an important question: Mark, Who are we reporting to now? Because we were supposed to be reporting to Remick, uh, and I don't know if you saw what happened to him in the records, but fuck me. <laughs> By the way, I I have to say I quite like Remick. I think I I think. I, t- I took this note down about halfway through the episode. I said, I quite like Remick. I think he's a good, loyal Federation man who was just put in the unfortunate in an unfortunate position, which we now know is being possessed by uh, a, a, stop- a stop-motion uh, insect. Um, and well, I think- he was possessed by a puppet insect, because it was a different insect that oh, yeah. was in him. It was a bit- Can we discuss how horrifyingly violent Remick's death was? Oh yeah, it's real so, bad. So Picard and Riker apparently had their phasers set to peel the skin off of his face, <laughs> then explode his head, then rip his chest open, then vaporize him. And the thing <laughs> is, is a right, setting I didn't know they had earlier in earlier in the show. I think I think it's I think it's Doctor Crusher says the stun setting doesn't do much for this. Make sure that it's set to kill, right? Yeah. And so Remick is spoilers. Remick is revealed to not so much be the he's possessed by the one who's been behind it all along. It's a big worm puppet, yeah, rather than the little bug uh, stop motion bugs. So he um, he turns round in the chair, which, by the way, is a redress of that wheelchair that didn't work from the worst episode. <laughs> and he uh, the the bug comes out, and then to be fair, like they they don't try to negotiate they, they don't even really listen to this thing's plan Picard and Riker just fire yeah and yeah it melts his skin <laughs> off his flesh it boils off his flesh and then explodes the brain matter which is like but the possession doesn't necessarily like is that just what it does to is that why Pic- <laughs> do you remember when Picard is like I know what a kill setting sounds like do you think that's like a Nam flashback? That he has to remember all the people's fucking skulls. Like he's, you know that you know how in Lord of the Rings, Christopher uh, uh, Christopher Lee says, oh, turned yeah. around to Peter Jackson and said, "That's not what it would sound like when a man is stabbed in the back." To which Jackson asked him how he know, and Christopher Lee says, "I, I know." Um, <laughs> yeah, he was in the SAS. Yeah, during think, World War Two. Uh, it's like he's that man. 
That man has stabbed a fucking Nazi and has not felt bad about it a single day in his fucking life. <laughs> yeah. But, so here's here's my theory on it. Yeah. Right? I know that the phases have a vaporized setting. Yeah. Which like instantly turns you to ash. But these guys are like more resistant to like being vaporized. So maybe that's just what the vaporized setting does. But we just got to watch it happen real fucking slow. <laughs> <laughs> Say you're uh, you're the phaser, you're a phaser uh, manufacturer, right? <laughs> and you, uh, you 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 get the you get the government contract, yep. And they say we want phasers. Uh, they have to have two settings: uh, stun and kill. Kill has to sound different because otherwise Picard will get he'll get he'll get a bit antsy about it. So, can you do that? And you think, well, in the past we've only ever really set them to stun. Because, you know, that's, that, that, that'll probably do you well enough. But we have to develop a kill setting. But let's face facts, this is a laser. So the way that it's going to kill them is pretty horrific. So you invent a phaser that does that when you set it to the kill setting. Then you take it to Starfleet and you say, we're having some issues because, yes, it does kill Technically, I can't argue with that. This person is one hundred percent dead. But in order to make it to make it have in order to make it kill, it has to explode their fucking brains out through so, a non existent skull. Do you think Starfleet are like <laughs> I mean you are the cheapest guy, so we'll see, take it. My theory is what if the like adjuster on the side the little thing that you adjust on the side of the phaser what if it's like the one on a toaster where it's like <laughs> there's because like you you nobody nobody is ever doing one on the toaster it's pointless it doesn't toast and nobody does 10 because that just burns everything so maybe like stun to kill is all in like the the 3 to 6 range yeah, <laughs> and then Picard was like, "Fuck it, nine. <laughs> and that does that, and then after they leave the room, like you don't see, we don't see it. But after they leave the room, he turns to Riker and he's like, "I didn't know that was a nine And Riker's like, "Neither did I. I would have thought, like, because because he's like, "I know an eight's so like seven's vaporized. What the fuck isn't that quicker? What was that? <laughs> nine is just vaporized, but it hurts." <laughs> have you ever seen the the Tom Scott YouTube video? Uh, which is titled something like "What does the dial on a toaster actually? What does the numbers on a toaster actually mean?" Because it's not no. time. You it, think that it's what? time, right. right? But he he says it's not time, and he says, "And I'll prove it." So he gets like four toasters of varying quality. Um, one is like you know, like your ten pound toaster from ASDA, all the way up to like a four hundred pound toaster uh, from from Russell <coughs> Hobbs or whatever, and he. Uh, puts them down at the same time and starts a timer and he says they are all set to exactly three after about one and a half minutes one of them pops after about uh two and a half minutes another one pops and then he gets to he gets the, the the three minute mark and he goes see it's not time and at three minutes and three seconds one of them pops <laughs> <laughs> And he deliberately, he's quite clever, I have to give it to him, he deliberately edited the episode to be like, see, it's not time. But then, to be fair, he says, well, look, here's the result of one of the experiments, and one of them popped off at three seconds after three, so that one might be time. I don't, 
I'm not stop stop coming to me to as being the arbiter of knowledge. Um, I'm just yeah. a guy who finds things interesting. It's it's the same as like um, I once had a, a guy explain to me like the the bars on a phone like like how many bars you've got and it's like oh, it means it's, nobody nobody knows what it's out of nobody knows what it means oh, I've got four bars is that is that good and my, is, does my phone do four bars better than another phone does four bars it's <laughs> I, I, if you think about it too long you end up arguing with your own head like that scene in Spinal Tap like, <laughs> but these go to eleven uh, but why not like ten allow this. Um, um, yeah. First time on Earth this episode. I will. We went way too close to the moon, Mark. I don't know. It's got its own gravitational pull. We should have avoided <laughs> that. That seems very piss poor piloting. People are constantly talking about slingshotting themselves around planets. It's like, that sounds a bit dangerous. Should we maybe get a bit further away from the moon? Because I don't know if you know anything about space, but it's literally just empty space. That's. <laughs> That's why it's called space. There's a lot of room to manoeuvre in space. Yeah. If you hit something, that's on you. Uh... Exactly. Um, did the original Enterprise ever go back to contemporary Earth? I know they went back to like 30s Earth and Nazi Earth. And, and 1970s Earth as well. Yeah, um, but did they ever just go back to their Earth, to 20, 20, 22nd century a... Earth? I don't, I don't know, because there's a bunch of times where they're in space and they're like, there's, we found a planet that's identical to Earth. Like, and it looks like Earth from space. But it's, and that's just, that's not even what the episode is. It's just like, <laughs> it's just a weird thing that apparently, apparently Earth, in, in the universe, uh, Earth is the most common basic default planet, which makes everything much more likely that we're living in the universe from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just the base model. Uh, they did all the work on Earth and then just rolled that out for a bunch of other people. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, first time... And, by the way, if if you're one of those people who got upset about Stacey Abrams being president of Earth um, and then got annoyed when other people were like, well, there's been other stunt casting in Star Trek, and then people were like, oh, but this is a really important thing. I'm going to point this out. That is the first time the president of Earth has literally ever fucking appeared or been mentioned in an episode of fucking Star Trek. It's not an important role. Captain of a ship is an important role. Yeah. Ad- insane crazy admiral is an important role, which is if I ever become a highly elected official, I want to play a mad insane admiral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the guy who, uh, I think is it Senator Patrick Leahy or Leahy. I can't ever really remember how to figure out his name. Um, oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's the co-senator of Vermont with Bernie Sanders, but he's a massive Batman fan. So he's in every Batman movie. Um, and it, it, but it, he'll be like he's like he's the guy in the Dark Knight that the Joker threatens at the party. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. He's like yeah. the judge and shit, and it's yeah. just like and he does and they he get and if if you're wondering how this has come about, it's because he's very openly like he's got like a Batman like action figure on his desk, and he spends all of his time trying to help people. <laughs> yeah. So the people at DC were like, yeah, fuck it, we'll put him in a Batman movie. <laughs> um. Speaking of speaking of people who occasionally like to help by beating other folk to a pulp, um, <laughs> I really like the season-long arc that they accidentally did with Worf, where they're constantly telling him, no, Worf, hold it in. Hold it in. Don't be violent. Hold it in. You, you're going you're gonna to get... You're going to want to unleash your absolute violent tendencies. 
your you the, the the peak of your strength you can hold it in and then this week he finally got to do it when Riker calmed him up and said Riker to bridge Worf I need you to come and beat up an old man <laughs> and and how how did that go for Worf didn't go Worf. very well but he no, did get to use the famous James T Kirk hands together <laughs> strike yeah yeah Kirk Fu um, yeah it's Worf is a very big victim of what I like to call Boba Fett syndrome in that we're told how good Worf is quite a lot but to establish how threatening things are they have to therefore beat Worf but what that means is Worf gets his ass kicked a lot yeah <laughs> uh, and Worf is a lot more cunning than we give him credit for he again had Tasha Yar killed after <laughs> she started to seed he worked out that the quickest way he was going to get to punch an old man yeah. was by killing Tasha Yar. Yeah. Uh, so he called up his old mate, Sludge, Sludge Brown. <laughs> like, Sludge, I need you on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Sludge, Sludge Brown, whenever he meets anyone, he's, uh, he's always like, hi, I'm Sludge Brown, uh, despite appearances. <laughs> I'm actually black. <laughs> Oh, that's, he um, thinks that's his icebreaker. That's that's why everyone left him alone on that planet because they were like so sick of, of him thinking that that was good patter. They were like, "Nah, we can't have this." Sorry, I've just been uh, handed a, a, an Asahi. Nice, very big Asahi. Is but... that is that is that uh, is that Guinan handing uh, you ten forward? Yeah, Guinan. Oh no, she's not Guinan on yet. Just came in. Uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah. No. My, my girlfriend wouldn't mind being compared to Whoopi Goldberg. I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of alcoholic drinks, so Picard goes down to Starfleet Command and he meets the, the three Madmirals and yes. they pour him an aperitif, a, a, a tiny drink. In which a futuristic glass. Is obviously poison, right? <laughs> yeah. But they all stand around for what it has to be quite a while pretending to drink it yeah and this all happens and, and this is when Picard is also questioning the fact that this place should be bustling with all of Starfleet and there's <laughs> yeah. like only the three of them there and there's somebody off camera just going because we can't afford extra stop bringing it up <laughs> <laughs> season one we're not beloved yet nobody's nah. got a fun uh, <laughs> we can't get any sitting senators in yeah yeah um, how can can I I want to I want to put forward for uh, promotion and commendation off the back of this episode? Um, Crusher, she takes down a mad admiral with a phaser. She works out exactly what's going on, and she manages to whip up a fake little blue gill yep. for the back of Riker, um, way incredibly quickly. Yeah, uh, agreed. And also, I. I'm going to break the uh, the conceit of this for a moment, Mark, and just go, whoever wrote this script was expecting that to be much smaller. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very obvious. Uh... <laughs> I think, I, not, not, to do, uh, not to do fucking um, uh, housework uh, on, the, on the old podcast, but uh, maybe we should do like a half-in-the-bag situation where we open with five minutes of us pretending to be on Ted Forward and then accept that the rest of the episode is going to be out with 
that canon <laughs> so that we can talk freely about the production of television, which is yeah. a thing that I consider myself maybe not an expert in, but I at least have a degree in it. So I can I can talk about it with some authority. And if I have to pretend to be a fucking Borg that walks down the <laughs> That cleans the toilets on on, on like the thirty seventh deck or something. I, I I'll do it, man. I'll figure it out. It, it might it might work, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I I don't have a degree in this, but if you consider an expert on something after was it ten thousand hours, it's like yeah, I've spent a lot more time than that watching TV from the fucking nineties. Uh, <laughs> um, have you got anything else on this one? Um, it's it's the first I'd Vulcan th- nerve pinch. Um, oh yeah, next gen. Oh yes, fucking nice, really good. I did like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I do have one one that I think is weird. When the um, when the code forty seven is like through, is being sent to like the through. Picard doesn't say on screen. He says, "Pipe it through." It's just a weirdly anachronistic turn of phrase that really just stood out to me as being very odd, and I don't. Was it? Is the same as uh, you're buying, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Oh, oh! It's, oh by the way, this is our first Starfleet HQ. Yes, it's uh, it's the uh, background painting that they used in the Voyage Home. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's our first little trip to San Francisco, I a place it was really that cool. will become very important if we do ever end up watching Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's also there's also apparently there's a I I I kind of glanced over this when I was reading about the episode but there's there's in the painting there's two people down in the bottom um, who are a race I I don't know if this is true it, it, but I just again I I saw it and I thought that's an interesting fact that I I'm, don't give a shit about reading. Um, I believe that they are a, a, Star, a Star Trek race, and that's the only time that they appear in the next gen, is in that painting because it's from the other, like from the Voyage Home. Oh, that's yeah. nice. There's like a there's a there's a race of um, there's a race I want to come back so badly, which is there's um when they were making the animated series, um, which is a, canonically the fourth season of Star Trek the original series. Yeah. Um, they couldn't get everybody back because they couldn't like afford them um, but fortunately some of the uh, cast are also competent voice actors so they doubled them up because they needed people at certain positions so there's like a lion like cat person and that is too been too expensive to do in like weekly episodic TV until I think now um, uh, well uh, that race I can't remember what race it is but they are in lower, lower decks Oh yes, and and lower decks is canon. Yeah, I want them live action. Yeah. I want live action. I want one to turn up in. Well, I don't. I want one to turn up in a good Star Trek show, which is basically means the Orville at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. But, I don't really have much. Much of anything else. Um, no. I. 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 Yeah. It was fine. It was a it's a it's a, a genuinely fun adventure episode which yeah. could have massively benefited from having more seeds sown than one reference in a previous episode. And um oh but Mark but let's let's the good news 
if you if you are one of the few people who listens to this, tune in next week for when we finally finish season fucking one of. Ah, <laughs> uh, it it. I feel like there's been a significant upswing since Roddenberry left the writing crew. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I'm hoping that that continues. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Tune in, tune in next time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>